Hello and welcome to the Life Enchanted podcast. We're on a mission to optimize our lives through faith, health, wisdom, and much more. Thank you for joining us on our journey. Here now is our host, Nick Carlisle. What is good, everyone? This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Capital Floats. Capital Floats is Northern California's premier float tank center, and the place is extremely dope. Not only do they have state-of-the-art sensory deprivation tanks, they have a sauna, they have kombucha on tap, they have this new technology called the Soma Dome, which is basically a high-tech meditation pod. They have an incredible post-float room that has all sorts of supplies for post-floaters to paint with, journal with and explore with and the floating itself is a super unique experience it's been shown to reduce stress anxiety physical pain and numerous other things and for listeners of this podcast they're offering an exclusive deal on their intro float package which is three floats for 120 dollars. that's 20 percent off the normal price All you have to do is go to capitalfloats.com, choose the three flow intro package, and use the promo code LIFEENCHANTED with no spaces. For this episode, I had the pleasure of sitting down with Dr. Orville Easterly. He's the founder and clinical director at Life Source Counseling Center in Roseville, California. He's a licensed LMFT with decades of counseling experience as a minister and psychotherapist. He's three times board certified, which is crazy, and is absolutely one of the most insightful and knowledgeable people I've ever met. I've been doing weekly sessions with him since February of 2017, and they've proven to be one of the most beneficial things I've ever invested my time and money into. This is an episode where you might want to have a journal or notepad handy to jot down some key takeaways or one that you might listen to numerous times because it's full of extremely helpful and practical wisdom. So without further ado, Dr. Orville Easterly. All right, Dr. Orville Easterly, thank you for coming on the show, sir. Appreciate you being here. Glad to be here. So I know we have limited time and I want to get through as much of these questions um, and topics that I have as possible. Um, So we'll get right into it. So can you talk about the the relationship between thoughts and feelings? Okay, our feelings are real, and we have to deal with them because they're connected to something important in us. But our feelings are not reliable to tell us what's real. Hmm. However, I am the way that I think. I can't be any other. The way that I think determines how I behave and how I think and behave determines how I feel. So if my feelings and my behavior are not what they ought to be, I know something. Mm -hmm. These are symptoms, they're not causes. The cause is the way that I'm thinking. So if I can identify the way that I'm thinking that's producing the maladaptive behavior, I've got a chance. Mm -hmm. Because I can change my thinking in a moment. Mm -hmm. All of us can. So if I determine that I, I'm going to master these areas where I'm, I'm dysfunctioning, and as I identify the thinking that's producing it, then I work on changing my thinking, and that's just that's the easy part. Mm-hmm. The hard part then is to behave according to my new thinking, no matter how I feel, hmm. because when I when I produce when when, when my thoughts produce a behavior and a feeling, my feelings take on a life of their own. 
Mm -hmm. or at least it feels like it like it does mm -hmm. <clears throat> and the purpose of my feelings though there's many many benefits and there, there are many liabilities mm -hmm. our feelings have one primary function you might want to think what that is mm -hmm. our feelings have one primary function and the primary function of our feelings is to reinforce and cause us to repeat the thought and the behavior that produced it so once that we launch that feeling, it's always going to push us to re-implement the thought and, and, the, and the behavior that produced it. And so if, I, if that's a negative one, and I've tried to change it, so I've adopted a new way of thinking, and now I've adopted a new way of behaving, I have to be disciplined and keep that discipline in place and refusing to go with my old feelings while my new thought and my new behavior produces the kind of feelings that's going to follow and support the change in my thinking and my behavior. It never pushes, mm. but it does support it. Mm. And in that way, I can change my, my thinking. Now, the way I think is reliable. The way I feel is not. So I must always work on what is it that I'm believing? What is it that I'm thinking? How valuable is that? And I can talk about the narratives in our mind. Uh, Please. Now or, or, or sometime. Please. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, <clears throat> we human beings are, are driven by, <clears throat> empowered by the way that we think. Mm -hmm. All of us go through every day of our life. In fact, well, I, I think it even happens in our dreams running a narrative in our mind. So you and your listeners, I want you to think about the narrative that's running in your mind right now. Uh, it may be neutral, mm -hmm. it may be very positive, more than likely it has a negative tint to it. Most of us go through our day just on the edge of, of defense. So we're ready to defend ourselves against anything that we think might, might, might happen. And so that, that narrative is telling us if this happens and this is what I'm going to do and this is what I'm going to say and this is where I'm going to go and, and so forth. And that, that narrative is, is running constantly in that slightly narrative vein. So then when something happens where I, I feel offense or, or I feel <clears throat> that somebody is, is uh, uh, exercising power against me in some, in some sort of a way, then I begin to behave the way that my narrative is running. Mm. So very often that negative, or most often that negative narrative is self-defeating because it puts us on the offense, <clears throat> I mean on the defense, and therefore we are, we're basically off balance. But because I can change my thinking, when I identify that I'm running a negative narrative, mm -hmm. Now I can cause myself to stop running a negative narrative and think in terms of what would be a positive narrative that would enhance my life, inspire my day, give me a positive outlook, and put me on in the ready to take advantage of a good opportunity rather than defending against any kind of negative that might pop up. Hmm. And I start creating that narrative. <clears throat> I notice how nice the sun is or how nice the rain is, whatever the weather is. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I think about what I'm doing, 
where I'm going or where I'm, I would like to go or whoever I'm going to see or some project that I'm working on. And I want to think in terms of the positives that I get out of that and the positives that will result uh, from my discipline in, in completing those tasks. And I can have any kind of positive narrative that I want to imagine and create, but I have to, with discipline, run it. Mm. Because the negative is going to jump in yeah. anytime my, my defense is down. Yeah, we, we human beings run a natural negative narrative. For instance, <clears throat> if you've ever watched a, a new, newborn baby come into the world. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, yes. Beautiful, wonderful, <laughs> wonderful child. Yeah. Beautiful moment, what's, but disgusting. What's the first sound that comes out of that mouth? Cry? A loud complaint. Yes. Doesn't like the service, doesn't like the air, doesn't like where he is. He's been warm and cozy all this time. What am I doing out here? And he is already negative about his arrival hmm. in, into this world. As a child is, is growing, they're, prim they're primarily running a, a positive curiosity negative because the, the, the toddler, or actually a start back when they're crawling, they want to taste everything, touch everything, and, and they're, they're interested in, in everything. The only time that they go negative, that their narrative goes negative, is when they're told no. And from the time that we first hear the word no, we begin to think defensively and somewhat offensively. And so as that child then learns to toddle and learns to get around, how often are we correcting it and saying, no, don't do that, do this. Mm -hmm. And so they are almost always ready to be on the defense. Mm -hmm. So that if, if, I, if I go into my office or my, my den and I see my twin daughter, granddaughters in there uh, taking my books off of the shelf and putting them on the floor and stacking them up like they're going to build something, uh, if I were to scold them, there would be an immediate negative narrative that would be going through their mind as there is a negative narrative going through my mind as I walk in there mm -hmm. and see this happening. Yeah. So I have a choice. I can run a negative narrative and be cranky about what they're doing, or I can run a positive na narrative and get down on the floor and play with the books with them and then lead them and sh show them all about the books and how to take care of books and to put them back on, on, on the shelf and so forth. But our, our natural impulse is to view this world as, as negative toward us, as something we have to conquer. And so we're, we're on the defense and we work on the offense in order to, to get ahead at anything that we're doing. This goes clear back in our evolution when we were hunters and gatherers and we, we traveled in a, in a group <clears throat> because we had to work together in order, order to survive. Mm -hmm. It's a dangerous world. Mm -hmm. So we were always on the outlook for any danger, any other group coming in to challenge us or to take our hunting church or whatever, we were always on the outlook for anything dangerous that's going to happen. Mm -hmm. So we've been running natural, defensive narratives in our, in our mind down through the eons. So it's natural for us to run a negative narrative, but we're not limited there. It's just like any other positive change. If I, if I behave negatively about whatever it is, 
that comes really naturally, you know, as a ter terribly terrible consequences that go with it. But if I want to change a bad behavior into a positive behavior, then I have to do that intentionally. Mm -hmm. That means that I build a slope going from where I am up to the goal that I want to reach in, in the change that I want to make. And I can do that as long as I keep my mind on it and work at it and I can achieve that goal. But as soon as I relax in that goal, then my negative narratives begin to run. And I, without, if I'm not careful, then I'm going to default back to the old behavior that doesn't work. Mm -hmm. I learned that the positive change works, <clears throat> very, very pleased with it, but when I default back to the, the old way, then I, I'm right right back where I was. I think, whoops, no, it doesn't work. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it's it's <clears throat> complacency that brings us back, or and it's being uh, in not disciplined is what's going to bring us back. Yeah, when when things are going well, we want to just absorb mm -hmm. and enjoy. Yeah, yeah. And when we relax and ab absorb and enjoy what's the changes that we've made, that's when we begin to not be conscious or careful mm -hmm. about how I'm thinking and how I'm behaving and my old ways begin to pop up mm -hmm. and pretty soon I'm right back to where I was. Can you, so one of uh, the things that I struggle with is taking things personally. I take too many things personally that shouldn't be personal, whether it's someone just disagreeing with me or just having even a debate about something, or even if I'm just in regular conversation with someone and I feel like the conversation isn't smooth and, and it's not being reciprocated, I take it personal. Like they, they don't enjoy me. It's it's stupid, but I take things personal. Can you talk about why we shouldn't be taking things personal? Remember <clears throat> that in this world where we live a defensive life because we have to always be ready to overcome any kind of negative. So <clears throat> there's a natural feeling that I have to constantly defend myself. So if anything happens, somebody bumps me accidentally, my immediate response is to be negative about it. Mm -hmm. If somebody cuts me off on the road, I automatically be, be negative about it. If somebody cuts me off when I'm speaking, I feel mm -hmm. insulted. And, and so there's a negative response to that. <clears throat> As natural as that is, it isn't necessary. It'll always plague us, but we don't have to yield to it. I have to learn, if I'm gonna break my habit of responding negatively to the world around me, then I have to learn a cosmic principle. And that is that there isn't anything in this life that is actually negative. Hmm. Now that's hard for most people to, to grasp at first, but it's absolutely the truth. We are often bumped or jostled or, or gotten in somebody else's way or, or someone wants to take advantage of us. We mistake their bad behavior for measuring our, the quality of our good. And that isn't what anybody else's bad behavior measures. If somebody is being offensive to me, being rude, maybe even being physical, that's miserable. I might even get hurt physically. 
But if I remember that there isn't anything in this life that's actually personal, then I can step back from that a bit and recognize that the bad behavior that has just busted my nose or whatever mm-hmm. uh, is all about the one who, who, who did the aggression and it doesn't say anything about me, then I'm not going to feel like I need to, to defend myself because I've just been degraded by someone. Mm-hmm. I've been the object of someone else's bad behavior. I've been a victim of their, of their assault and I need to take care of that. But if I recognize that it isn't, it isn't personal, then I don't have to become enraged about it and then counter, counterbalance it by counterattacking. Mm-hmm. So let's just imagine, let's imagine the counterattack. So this guy busts me in the nose, he's called me all, all kinds of names, and now I'm taking that personally. So mm-hmm. what's my natural? Square up get, with him. You bet, square <laughs> up with him, get right back in his face yeah. and call him names and try my best to get a punch at his nose. So now, imagine that fight going on. Who is mirroring whom? You are mirroring him. I am mirroring him. And what has happened is, because of his offense against me, and me taking it personally, I have now instantly given him the power to determine how I think, how I behave, and how I feel. Now, none of us would rationally give that kind of power to anybody away from us but as soon as we're offensed Mm -hmm. and we become defensive and we take things personally then that's how we will do that many times a day the other day I was going down highway 80 and some guy in a little smaller sports car didn't like the speed I was going (laughs) or the one in front of me and all of a sudden they roared around me and cut right it right in front of me and then swung out and cut in front of the other guy um, if I could have reached out and swatted that guy, that's what I would want to do. But I reminded myself there wasn't anything personal about what that guy just did. He was a fool. And yeah, he flipped me the bird as he went by because mm-hmm. he didn't like my speed. But that's okay. That's, he can do that if he wants. His behavior says nothing about me. But if I had gotten angry and rolled down my w- window and yelled at him and flipped the bird back at him, mm-hmm. then I would have granted him that kind of control over me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that accomplishes absolutely nothing. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. How about another thing that I struggle with uh, for all you listeners is um, avoiding conflict i don't like and this kind of falls in line with what we were talking about i don't necessarily love conflict and i don't like when conversations don't go smoothly because of conflict i don't like when meetings don't go well because of conflict it just is awkward for me and i don't necessarily know how to respond and part of that i think is taking it personally but can you speak about the 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 necessary conflict that exists in our world Mm -hmm. every living thing on this beautiful planet of ours is in conflict conflict is what we have to do in order to grow I'm a gardener so I like to plant seeds and they germinate that they're in conflict with the dirt Mm. 
they sprout, and that little sprout works its way up through the soil, conflict there, gets out into this toxic air that we, we so naturally breathe, and it has to learn to, to steel itself against that in order to continue to grow until it reaches a point of maturity where it spreads its, its petals and ripens its, its, its seed and spreads the, the new life on, under the ground. Everything that is alive is in conflict. Conflict is neither bad nor is it good. Rather, it's necessary. Our challenge is to manage the, the conflict so that we get the good out of, the necess- out of what is necessary. If, if I get angry at it, then I'm going to resist it and I'm going to miss out on its benefits and I'm going to delay or distort the development of, of my life. But if I recognize, again, that nothing is personal, if you're alive you're going, and you're going to, to stay alive and you're going to grow, you're going to be in conflict with, with your, your own body, with the environment that you live in, and when you take the food for dinner tonight. You're going to chew it up as best you can, and then your body has to, has to dissolve it, make use out of it. That's conflict. Mm-hmm. And so when we think about being in conflict, everything is dependent upon whether or not I'm going to take conflict personally. If I take it personally, I'm going to fight against it. And if I fight against it, I'm going to lose the benefit from it. And I'm going to create greater conflict. Mm-hmm. But if I recognize that that it's, it's neither good nor bad, but it's necessary. I'm going to learn to coordinate my life with conflict so I can get the most out of it. Mm, yeah. Kind of like iron sharpens iron. It brings out iron the most good. Iron sharpens iron. Yeah. <clears throat> what would you say to someone who struggles with being self-conscious or uh, socially awkward or afraid of attending public events or going out with friends or anything like that? I have many patients um, <clears throat> who battle this very thing. In fact, all of us to some degree are ill at ease in, in uh, public places, in small groups, because we, we feel like, number one, we want to feel like we belong, and number two, it's it doesn't quite feel like we do belong at first until the, the group is warm enough to, to absorb us and so forth. <clears throat> and on the, on the broader scale, uh, most of us walk through a mall thinking that people are looking at us. When the fact is, if you want to know what people, if people are, are noticing you or talking about you, Basically, they're not. Almost all of us spend the vast majority of our time paying attention to one person, and that's ourself, and that's our job, managing ourselves. Now, we inhibit ourselves when we are trying to manage ourselves well and to make a, a good presentation or, or, or present ourselves well if we're worrying about what people are thinking or saying then that diverts our attention and makes us feel self-conscious, which makes us feel awkward. And so we, we present ourselves in an awkward presentation. 
and that's self-defeating. So when you're feeling self-conscious, remind yourself, when you wonder what people are thinking about you, basically they're not. What are they saying about me? Basically they're not. We're in a political environment right now, and think of the, the volumes, multiplied millions of dollars that is spent in any one of these contests just to try to get us to recognize their face and hopefully remember their name. Mm -hmm. And I don't remember them. <laughs> <laughs> I have to read about them when I, when I, when I, when I vote uh, and, and then try to remember something about them. But we just don't pay that much attention to the people around us. We are paying attention to ourselves to be the best that we can be and that's healthy unless we are overly sensitive and then we inhibit ourselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Is that helpful? How about um, living in the present moment? And I think a lot of us struggle with our past and we have a lot of anxiety, anxiety about our past or depression about our past, shame about our past. And some of us live too, way too far in the future, and we have anxiety about the future and stress about the future of what's going to happen. Uh, can you speak about the importance of living in the present moment? Yeah, again, something that is normal <clears throat> for us human beings is to constantly be reflecting on the past because there's a great deal that we can learn about the past. I remember when I learned to ride a bicycle how difficult it was until I finally got it. And then my autonomic system took over and now I can ride a bicycle anytime that I want. So by remembering back to positive things that we've learned, we can bring those things into the present and use them to solve present uh, challenges and situations and this continue to grow. So in, in, that, in that sense, what we have learned positively from our past is important to apply in our present because what we're going to be tomorrow exactly the person that we're making ourselves today. And so we want to make that person that we're making today what we want to be tomorrow. And so I have to really be very careful about what I'm thinking and how I'm using the past. If at any time, I reach back into my past and I grab some ugly situation and I drag that into the present. I contaminate my present with the past and now my present looks, acts, and smells just like the past because that's the way that I'm thinking about that past event. Now I can predict tomorrow because I'm going to be tomorrow exactly what I'm making myself today and today I've just made myself part of the past. So guess what about tomorrow? Tomorrow is already a mortgage to the past and all of my tomorrows. As long as I live in the past, in the negative past, then I will never have a present day without the past. And my future is already mortgaged to the past and I'm stuck there in the past. We can't change the past. No matter how much we, we mull over it or ruminate over it, we're not going to change it. It's only going to feel worse, be, be more volatile to us, and more inhibiting to us. So there's nothing we can really do with the past except to forgive it 
and leave it behind us and start in the present creating something brand new. Can you talk about, uh, you've used an analogy a couple times in some of our sessions about a pool table and the different types of balls on a pool table. Can you expand on that? Yeah, I'm not really good at pool. (laughs) (laughs) But I did learn something. As I observed a a real pro uh, playing pool, and it was amazing how he could make every ball do whatever he wanted it to do. But it dawned on me that on the pool table, there are two types of, of balls. There's the solids and the stripes. That's one type. Then there's the white ball, the cue ball. The vast difference between the rest of the balls on the table and the cue ball is the cue ball is the only ball on the table with a direction of its own. Depending upon the intelligence and the skill behind that cue ball, that cue ball will make every ball on the table do exactly what it wants. But the rest of the, the balls on the table, they do, do not have a direction of their own. So they only go where they are bumped or bounced. Now, that's a metaphor for the population out here. Most people that we meet do not have a direction of their own. They may have dreams and ambitions, but they haven't set a direction that they're going. And so life bumps them and bounces them wherever it, it does. But there are a few people who are like that cue ball. They're in the midst of the, of the population out here. They have set a goal that they can really believe in. And they know why they're going after that goal. Their whys are compelling enough that they are literally creating a path to get to that, to that goal. So like that cue ball, they go through life making things happen rather than having reacting to the things that happen. So we have to decide, am I going to be a cue ball or am I going to be one of the other balls on the table that doesn't have a direction of its own? If I'm going to be a cue ball, I have to adopt the direction that I'm going to go, know why that I'm going there, if my whys are compelling, nothing will be able to stop me and I'll make it. If my whys are not compelling, I will find a reason to quit on myself and that sooner than later. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The last thing I wanna talk to you about or have you, have you expand upon is you once, you did some uh, sports psychology work, correct? Mm-hmm. You mentioned that you had a a pro skateboarder and that he was trying to work through a specific routine that he kept having a hiccup in the middle of. And you shared that story with me and then you talked about visualizing outcomes. Can can you share that story with the listeners and and give your takeaway from that? Yeah. In becoming developing to a license and a degree in psychology, you have to do some intern projects. One I really enjoyed, and I wish I could have stayed with it, but I couldn't, was sports psychology. What impressed me about it is no matter how coordinated our body is or how strong it is, it's only going to perform as well as I think. And if I think that I can't, then I most likely will not do it. But if I think that I can, I will come the closest 
to accomplishing it or accomplishing it. This young young man, uh, he was one of the tallest skateboarders I've ever seen. He was about six foot two, but the guy was just amazing on that board. And so he's getting ready for a, a, a contest. And he had worked out a, a phenomenal routine, but there was one part every time he hit it, it just blew apart. And so <clears throat> I was recruited to kind of work with him and see if, if we could get that thing uh, worked out. So I told him, he says, you, you're only going to do, and in fact, you only do what you visualize yourself doing. You can see yourself doing that routine all the way through, except till you get to that point. Now, when you can visualize yourself doing that move and believe in it, then just like you are so fluid in, in, the, in the first part of your routine, you're gonna be able to take that. And so I said, let's just sit here and imagine you doing that routine. So I, I want you to tell me every move you've got to make to make that part go. Mm -hmm. And so we worked on that for a while. Then said, okay, now it's time to try it. He tried it and flopped. We came back, see, it didn't work. And I said, no, <laughs> you, you, you give up on yourself there and you looked at a problem instead of looking at a success. Let's try it again. After several tries, boom, he made it. He came back and he did it again. And then he did it again. Finally he says, that's easy. I said, of course it's easy. You simply did what you visualized and your mind did the rest, making your body make it work. We are as strong as our mind and we cannot be anything other than the way that we think. So if I think that I can't make that, I won't do it. Mm. If I think that I can, then I'll probably figure out a way to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, confidence is everything. Confidence is everything. Awesome. Dr. Easterly, thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate you more than you know. It's my privilege to be here, and I wish you the very best. Thank you. A special thanks to King's Kaleidoscope for the instrumental used on the intro and outro of this podcast. If you're interested in connecting with me, please find me on Instagram at life.enchanted, or you can send me an email at theoptimizedone at gmail.com. Please remember that I am not a doctor. If you're considering making any sudden changes to your diet or lifestyle, you should absolutely first consult your physician.